to do the right thing and that we think the right thing. Amen? Psalms 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and what? The meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. God is looking for more than just lip service. Amen? I'm going to be real short this morning. Actually, that's one-third of my sermon. I'm almost done. Let me just share something with you because you, we talked about, uh, mostly about the sermon in Sunday school this morning. For those of you that made it, those of you that got here before 5 minutes to 11, like Sister Marie. So turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. <laughs> just kidding, Sister Marie. <laughs> just kidding. All right. So here's Matthew 5, 6. She was probably doing something for me. No, I'm just giving her a hard time. So here's what it says in Matthew 5, 6. I'm going to read it from the King James Version. Uh, because last couple weeks ago was Mary's birthday. I'm sorry, it was Rosie's birthday. And uh, happy belated birthday to Rose, Sister Abraham, father of the King James Version. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The New American Standard translates the word feel satisfied. Matthew 5, 20 says, you all with me? Matthew 5, 20, y'all with me online? Good to see you there, Greg Baker. Good to see you, Z. Love you, man. Good to see you, Jamie Cole. Why aren't you here, girl? Uh, Matthew, 5, <laughs> Matthew 5, 20, Matthew 5, 20 says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes, by the way, they, I love the, the word better in the English Standard Version. It says, unless your righteousness exceeds I like that better. Exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I love that. And Brother Coach, he read the scripture this morning. Uh, he, he, uh, I think he just about included this or maybe included this particular verse. I don't know if he knew I was going to talk about it, but Matthew 6.33. Thank you for getting those for me, Jace. Matthew 6.33, everybody, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Some translations, the King James Version says, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Same thing, kingdom of heaven. By the way, don't trip over things like kingdom, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. People split hairs on that. Just know that that means you're in God's realm and God's domain. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, all part of God's sovereignty, okay? Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and all these things, amen, all these things will be added unto you. I'm just taking a quick shot at my brothers and sisters that are in the health and wealth ministries, the prosperity teachers. The problem with the prosperity teachers is they focus on the things, they forget the first part. No, everybody wants health and wealth, you know, as long as it doesn't send us to hell. But we want health and wealth if we can manage it, right? The problem is, is that the first part is the condition. It's a conditional statement. It's a conditional promise. He says, but you have to think, he says, this has to come first. What is the predecessor for health and wealth? What is the predecessor of all these things? What is the requirement, ladies and gentlemen? God wants us to be righteous. Even if that even exceeds us being healthy. It exceeds us being wealthy. It transcends us being worshipers or praisers. He really wants our heart. Righteousness. 
It's what he sent his son for. To die for us, to be righteous, to be right with him, to be made right. He was a propitiation. He was a, he was a substitute, as it were, for us. So righteousness is really what drives this train because he wants us to be like him. Amen? And he says it first, and you know how I am about sequential orders and numerical things. I just kind of like go all out on that because I think whenever the Lord takes the time to designate something chronologically, whenever he takes the time to include something like first, you know how I feel about it, First Corinthians 15, first, first thing we should do, whenever there's a first in there, you should train your eyes on that and pay close attention to that passage because that's setting a priority. Amen. It's, it's, setting, it's setting a sequential order in terms of how we should follow that, how we should proceed in that order. So Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first. He doesn't say that it's wrong to seek after hell. Everybody I pray for, I pray that the Lord would heal them, that they would restore them. Pastor Meek taught me that. I pray for life. I always pray for life. I don't care if a person is in hospice. I've been in hospices several times praying for people. And, I, and I'm in the hospice praying for people to be coming home. Amen? I ain't in there praying like, okay, Lord, um, let's speed this along. Or, or, Lord, I hope they die. Or, Lord, I hope you... you know, I never. I always pray for life. Amen? And I believe in that. The Bible says that if you have sick among you, I'm just quoting James 5, if you have sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. That's Rod, that's Coach, that's Red, who's in Nashville, that's myself, that's any elder, anybody in the church that want to come and pray, and I believe it includes any of us. We can, all of us, you don't have to be an elder, a preacher, a pastor, all of us can pray the prayer of faith. Amen? So we pray, we pray for healing, we pray for deliverance, we pray for life. Amen? If you're going to pray for anything else, I ain't going to don't come, if I'm if I'm in bed sick and you ain't come to pray for me to get well, please don't come by. Just keep driving right by my house. My address is 634 Main Street. And y'all know that's not my address. So so I want people that have like-mindedness. Amen. We're two or three agree together. I am in the midst. We're praying for health. We're praying for deliverance. We're praying for for success. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as our first priority is that we seek his righteousness. Okay, so I told you guys I was going to cut it short and I'm going to cut it short. So I just want to answer two quick questions and I'll give you the money morning moment. Here's question number one. What is real hunger and thirst? What, what really is hunger and thirst? Because he says right here, and I think it's an amazing beatitude. It's a beatitude that doesn't get a lot of love. You know, most of the beatitudes are, are great, but this beatitude to me is just next level. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many people are really hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Not, not at the top of the list. At least not what I see on radio, TV, and podcasts and the Internet. Sermons I listen to, things I read. People, people aren't preaching about righteousness. People aren't talking about righteousness. Righteousness ain't getting a lot of clicks. They ain't getting a lot of love. It's like one of those subjects, oh, well, it kind of glazes over. And here to, to the Lord, Mary Favors, it's the most important thing we can do. 
Are you all getting this? I know it's not one of those sermons where you jump over pews and swing from the chandeliers, but this is an important message. This is what's, imp you know, the, some of the things we do are about us when we come to church. This is about the Lord. This is about him, right? And that's really why we're here. It's why you guys are here. And I'm so honored that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that all these people here on Zoom that are listening to the service and listen to the service on our website through the week. I'm so happy. But you know what's even better is that we don't just listen, that we apply it to our hearts. Amen? I'm just so impressed with Ezra. Ezra 7.10 says, and Ezra, he prepared his heart. He prepared his heart to seek the Lord, to seek the Lord's law, to not only seek it, but to teach it and to share it throughout Israel. Amen? It's about what we do. I only can do, we, we elders can only do so much here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. You have to want to be righteous. You have to hunger and thirst. You have to want to be holy. You have to want to be right in God's sight. Righteousness means being made right. Actually, I went to the, to the, to the extra step of, of looking it up. In the Greek, it's, it's dikasio, which you guys will not remember past now. But it simply means in the Greek that it's a pardon, it's acquittal, it's being made right or pronounced right before God. And here's what makes me so excited about it, is that righteousness is a choice that we have. We can live right. We can live right before God, and he makes us acceptable before him based on our willingness. Listen, our willingness to live right. I'm almost done. I'll probably be done in seven minutes. Listen to this. Remember those three Hebrew boys? Remember Daniel in chapter 1? The Bible says in Daniel 1, and I love the verbiage. doesn't matter what translation you look at. You're going to get the same, same meaning. It says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He made a choice. Check it out. Dude was a teenager. He might have been 17, 18, 19. His parents probably were killed or in captivity because they had been overtaken by the Babylonians. For this teen, I am convinced that he was a teen, based on some of the archaeological finds and knowing what the three Hebrew boys and Daniel, the time frame and when they were captured during the Babylonian invasion. He was a teenager, kept because he was bright, he was smart, he was fair. They kept the best of the bunch, the best and brightest, the cream of the crop, and brought him into the king's service. Daniel purposed in his heart, ladies and gentlemen, that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. No one was watching, no parental oversight, no rabbi, no synagogue, no one to keep him in check, no one to call him out, no one to say you're a hypocrite. He made this decision on his own. Just like I talked about on Sunday this morning about the prodigal son in Luke 15, who the Bible says came to himself. He decided, I'm going home. He decided eating pig food ain't what I want to do the rest of my life. He decided I can do better than this being a servant for my father. That was his decision. Daniel purpose in his heart. The Hebrew boys purpose in their heart. Ezra purpose in their heart. These were personal convictions that they decided this is what I'm going to do. And I tell you, when you make up your mind that this is what you want to do, Job said it best, I think it's Job chapter 23, says, I have desired thy word more than my necessary food. 
When you make up in your mind that this is what you want, you want the Lord and his righteousness. You want to seek him first. You hunger and thirst after him because it's what you want to do. When this becomes your decision, when it becomes your quest, when this becomes your passion, when this becomes what you want to make of your life, that you want to be acceptable and pleasing in God's sight, things will start to happen. That's why so many Christians live casual Christian lives, casual Christianity. The great late Dr. Charles Stanley wrote a great book on that. Casual Christianity, just mediocrity. Chuck Swindoll's book, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity. You should read that book. It's a classic now. Excellent. About just Christians that are just kind of meandering along, going through the motions, just mailing it in. Just, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up at church occasionally and, you know, pay a few tithes and wash a couple cars and sell some chicken dinners and call it a day. God wants more. God deserves more. Amen? Amen. Last thing, last thing. What does it mean to be filled? He says that we should, that person that hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. The word filled, if you look at Ephesians 5.18, I quote this all the time, so you guys should know this. Be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess. King James Version or NASB or New King James will use the word dissipation. It all means excessiveness. Being drunk, best way not to get drunk is not to drink. Another story, another sermon. But he says, be not drunk with wine wherein it is excess, but be filled, not with spirits, lowercase s, plural, but be filled with the Spirit, capital S, singular. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're over 60, we said the Holy Ghost. But for those of you under 60, it's cool to say Holy Spirit. I'm looking at you, Tiff. So, um, hey, I would love to be 25 again. You might actually be 23, I'm sorry. I would love to be 23 again. Although if I were 23 again, I'd have to know what I know now. Because at 23, anybody here 23, I don't want to offend anybody. At 23, I think I was an idiot. <laughs> I don't think I knew anything. So I'd have to know what I know now at 69 almost. So here's what Ephesians 5.18 meant. He says that you have to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's not like having your gas tank three quarters full. This is not a volumetric filling, right? This is not, you, you can have, okay, I have a lot of the Holy Ghost in me, I'm about, a, I'm about a quart short today. No, he, the Holy Spirit, is not a substance. He is not a thing. He is not an it. He is a person known as the third person of the Godhead. When we say being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not being talked about what level or volume we're at. We're talked about what level of control he has. It means being under the influence, filled, controlled, managed, subordinated, under the influence, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Lord wants us to be. When we hunger and thirst after him, he will fill us. He will help us. The Greek word for Holy Ghost in Luke John 14 is parakletos. He will be the parakletos, the one who comes alongside, comes along inside, alongside, in front of us, behind us, above us, below us, and help us.
help us. We're not out here doing this on our own. The Monday morning moment is, I've already said it earlier, it's let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight. So if you don't remember anything else about the sermon, if you don't remember anything else about the sermon today, then let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in God's sight. That's our prayer, amen? And that shouldn't even be aspirational. That should be doable every day. Just do it in small bits, small doses. The Lord isn't asking us to become St. Paul. He's not asking us to become a spiritual giant overnight. He's just, I like, like the beautiful song Sister Lillian sang. He's asking us just to, to give to him, surrender to him, to live for him each day. Small intervals, 24-hour intervals. Amen? Just give this, this day, the Lord's Prayer says, our daily bread. Just, just one day, Lord, let your word be a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And I'll just take one step at a time. Amen? Amen. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning. We ask you to help us to not just be hearers, but to be doers of your word. Lord, may you be edified. May you be glorified in this service. And may your people be edified. We love and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.